Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, um, yeah, you probably never heard me speak before, so I just want to take a moment to introduce myself. My name is Kenzie. I get to be one of the creative pastors here along with this weird guy um, named Bobby Walker. I'm kidding. He's my husband, you guys. He's the best. Um, And it's just one of the greatest joys of my life. Um, Even as a baby church, we have a thriving creative team and it's an honor like it blows my mind every time I just come into contact you crazy people moved here um, just blind to serve a team like this it's it's wild I'll never get over it and so it's just a joy to be able to steward a team like that and so that's kind of what I do here at the church if you want to get to know me but um, Bobby and I have actually been a part of the Grace City campus as long as it's begun we were just college students when it started in the Lakeland campus and we were church homeless we didn't really have a church home at the time and what a weird place to be when you don't know what home you belong to Um, and so I remember when Andrew Guard started it we were immediately in hearing the vision we were immediately in we went to the first kind of like interest meeting he held in his living room and since then it has been our home church since then we have not been able to get away from what God is doing in Grace City and I just want to speak that over you that your church family really matters It should go into the decisions you make. How can I um, go through life but still be connected to people that are connected to the Spirit and will call out the best in me? And I want to tell you that you guys picked the best church family. I don't know if this is your first time or if you've been with us, rocking with us the whole time. But just being here throughout um, this whole journey, I can promise you that it's a real, genuine place where you're going to find authentic connection and you're going to find the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You guys are real responsive today. I love it. Hey, but maybe a little bit more. Is that okay? Is that okay? But I want to preach a message today called Second Wind. Um, And if you're like, Second Wind, what does that mean? Um, Buckle up, take notes, you'll find out. That's all I'm going to say. Amen. So if you you want to start taking notes, that's the title this morning is Second Wind. And over the last six months, I really feel like our church like immediately had identity. Um, You never know what it's going to be like raising something from the beginning, Um, kind of figuring out, okay, what do you look like? Maybe I'll find out over time. But it was crazy. I feel like as soon as we started this plant, it had identity, and it was like a tangible identity. It was things like joy that were just a mark of our house. But there's one specifically that God kept drawing me back to that was a mark and anointing that's unique to Grace City Tampa. And I want to talk about it today. Church, I really believe that there is a bold, a radical, a fearless faith that belongs to this house. There's something about it when you're in the room on a Sunday, something about it when you're coming into contact with the body of believers that makes this house, something about the way that you feel when you leave this church, like you're equipped to do anything. And I think it is the mark of God's faith on this house. And today I want to talk about it because I don't want it to be a gift that God gave us that we don't use. I don't want it to be a gift that God gave us that we don't steward. I want to steward this faith with everything in me that we are. How about you? And I think it's a testament to the way that Alex planted this church. I remember from the beginning, it was as if you saw this from the beginning. 
It was crazy. He didn't start like, I think if we just try this, then maybe it will happen. He knew. He had so much faith. And I think God had favor on that. He blessed it. And so what I've been wrestling with as I've been preparing this message is that God wasn't just settled with the pastor of this church and the staff of this church having faith. He wants every single person in this room to know that there's a faith that he commissioned you with. There's something that he wants you to contend for. There's something on your life that I don't know if we fully tapped into. And I really believe that today of passive faith is going to be made in active and in a live faith in the room today. Do you believe that? Amen. I want to wake us up this morning. I really believe he's bringing us into a season where our faith will be met with his favor. So if you're wondering what you're going to walk away with today, I believe that your, your faith level is going to be challenged. I believe it's going to be a normal thing for you to go home and write down these crazy faith dreams because you feel like it can actually happen. And I believe everyone is going to walk out of here knowing that God has commissioned you specifically with something. And it's time to stop being satisfied with just riding the wave of somebody else's faith. It's time to stop that. It is time for you to learn that you have connection, you have access, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, with a divine God, and he wants to download this faith into you if you're listening, church. So are we listening this morning? I wanna break down what faith means. I don't know if this is a word that you've heard your whole life or if you're just getting started and you're like, okay, what does faith mean? Is it just the one time that I make a decision? I actually think it's a lifestyle. I think faith is the DNA of who we are. If you were to look at us with this like heavenly blueprint, it's faith. It's the substance of why we do what we do. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 talks about what faith is. And I just wanna simplify it as much as I can this morning. It's not this magical word. It's actually something that we have access to do. It's actually an action that we can participate in. So I think it's gonna be up on the screen for you. Hebrews 1 says, now faith is confidence. Faith equals confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for. So at the end of people's lives, what is God gonna look at? He's not gonna look at your gifting, your skill, your likability in the world. He's gonna look at you and evaluate, did you have faith? That's what he's looking for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Isn't that wild? And I just wanna touch on the message paraphrase real quick because I feel like it gives us language for today. That by faith, we understand that the universe, oh, wrong verse, message version, here we go. Faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. Faith is how you make this life worth living. So if I was to pull out a definition from this scripture, it's simple. That faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance for what we do not see, that's the way our spirits can still be settled. And the idea that what we see did not come from anything that is seen. Sometimes you might read that and say, are we crazy? Are the Christians the crazy ones? But I wanna tell you that scripture tells us the opposite. Christians who have faith are the ones who have confidence, who have assurance, and who are okay, and their spirits are settled, that what we see right now happened because of something we don't see. 
And the world is gonna come in and try to tell you the exact opposite. That if you wanna be confident, look at the things in your hands. That's what the world would try to get you to think about. Your confidence equals how many tangible things you have control of in your hand. Your confidence comes from how much stuff you have stored up behind you. But faith is so different. Faith and confidence comes from the lack of tangible things in your hands. Isn't that wild? Faith says drop all the tangibles. I'm not interested in those things because those things aren't eternal. Faith is living with hands wide open, empty, and a life laid down. And can I tell you, if you're looking for confidence in the room, have faith. If you're looking for your spirit to be settled at the end of the day, have faith. Amen. Amen. David, I think you can, I think you're good. I was going to have him this whole time, but I'm like, his legs are going to be crusty at the end of the day. Can we give it up for David? So another thing that I think is crazy, because the world tells us such a different story, is um, life should be this comfortable, convenient pace for you. Like everything in your life, you should just shift around until it feels comfy for you. But you know how the Bible talks about faith in our faith run? It actually talks about it as a lifelong marathon of run. Does, does any of you like running in the room? Ask, okay, we got one, and you are a good Christian in the room. God loves you. No, but I think at the end of the day, you like running because of the challenge. It's not because of like, the easiness. I don't think any of us would just wake up one day on our day off and be like, I want to run all day. But you know, faith is talked about in Scripture as a lifelong marathon. If you read Hebrews 11, it gives you this long list of the past believers that went before us. It calls it the cloud of witnesses. And each time it talks about their life, it sets you up to see this image of them running with all that they have in their life. And at the end of it, the amazing thing is that it doesn't stop with them. They have this run, and then they see that there's a baton of faith in their hands. And they get to pass it on to the next person. So this image of a marathon is not supposed to drain you. Like, really? Am I really going to be running? This image of this lifelong marathon should do nothing but send us running. Because thank God it doesn't end with us. Thank God the faith doesn't end with us. Whatever he's called you to do, have faith for, you get to pass it on to somebody else. So can I tell you, it's an honor that we're in this run. And I hope that we accept it. And I hope that we see the baton. So there's a few, a few um, just ideas that I have about maybe why faith is called a marathon. Faith requires and exerts our utmost attention. It's not a natural response to, test or to trust in the unseen, wouldn't you say? You don't wake up in the morning and just want to trust in an invisible thing. But that's where faith steps in. It requires all that you have. It requires your full intention. With faith, we will wrestle and we will wear down our flesh, our humanity, even our logic to the point where we say, God, you have to come through on this. I have literally gone to the end of myself. I have literally gone to the end of what makes sense. And I am in need of a mighty God to come through. Faith is pushing past the point of hearing all the applause of man at the starting line. And can I tell you this morning that if you're still stuck listening to the applause of man, and if it still means something to you, I want to challenge you. I don't know if you've ran far enough. I think you still might be at the starting line. 
But faith is going way past that to where the applause, you can't even hear it. Because it doesn't even mean a thing to you anymore. Can I tell you what you want to hear? You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, at the end of your life. Amen. That's why I think faith is a run. It's getting past the easy. It's getting past the applause. Faith has direction, and it's heavenward. Faith is a long-haul, everyday endurance decision. It's more than the first step. There is an urgency of faith because lives are on the line. There's too much at stake to walk anymore. And the last thing, faith is more than just this hopeful wish that we have. It's an impossibility that God has called you to contend for because he wants to make it possible. What are the impossible things that are burdening your heart right now? And maybe God has called you to be the solution to make it possible if you would just partner with him. So that's why I believe that faith is marked as a run. Does that make sense to us this morning? I live in this magical place called Lakeland, Florida right now. And um, has anyone been to Lakeland, Florida? It's a small, cozy town. It feels just like home. Me and Bobby recently bought a house there. Um, I think it's called Lakeland because I think there's lots of lakes in this land. I think that's why. Um, Really cool, really cool fact. We love that. Um, But at the center of this town is a lake I like to call Lake Hollingsworth. I think we have a picture of it. Um, Look at that lake. Doesn't it look nice? Maybe not. I'm not getting a lot of response. Um, That's the lake that's like right at the center of our town. We live literally like a walk to that lake. And um, when you see this lake, I don't know about you, but when I see and drive by this lake, I'm inspired to do Many things, okay? I'm inspired to grab a blanket and put it out by that grass and fall asleep, right? It's just so peaceful. I'm inspired to maybe bring um, a box of pizza, sit by the lake, vibe out. Um, The only movement I can see myself doing on this lake is just maybe a golf cart, like riding me around and enjoying Lakeland. But the people of Lakeland are crazy, let me tell you. They see this picture of this lake And you know what they want to do? They want to run. That's what you want to do when you see that lake. Okay. So I'm trying to to observe these people, what's going on in their mental. And when I tell you they're running at all times of the day, all year long, you will pass it. Even right now, I promise you there's like 100 people running this lake. And I'm telling you, even at 8.30 in the morning when I'm on my way to work, what are they doing? They are running this lake. And I'm like, we need to sit down and talk about what job you guys have because I got to go to work. You guys are running. I wish I was running instead of going to work. So let's talk about maybe I should get the job you have. But I'm telling you, they're running all the time. And so to feel more like my community, I felt like there was a season where I really needed to learn how to run. And so I think it was about COVID. I downloaded this app called Couch to 5K. And it literally trains, it literally trains the couch potato, a.k.a. me, who has no experience, and it trains you on how to one day run races. Did it work? I'll let you be the judge of that. I don't run anymore. But everyone who runs always tells me the same thing. Like, you just have to keep doing it. I promise you, you're going to love it. And there's this one phrase that I've heard before. If you just keep running longer and longer and longer. There's going to be a moment, Kenzie, where you experience the second wind. There's going to be a moment when you feel the runner's high and you finally learn how to balance the oxygen intake and your body will finally have everything it needs. 
And God brought me back to that story as I was preparing for this message. And I wanted to read for you the definition of the second wind. And I feel like there's something in this for us. I'm going to have it up on the screen. But the second wind, this is what that means. Because you know I've never experienced this personally. But we can research. We can Google, right? But the term second wind is used to describe the phenomena of magically gaining significant energy and strength during distance running. This happens at the stage where the runner feels out of breath and has reached a level of fatigue where they feel they will not be able to continue. It is the flush of relief where your muscles finally get the oxygen they need. Your body stopped focusing on expelling excess carbon dioxide and started taking in more oxygen. Isn't that crazy? But I want to highlight some of the key phrases in this. It happens at just the moment that you feel that you will not be able to continue. You finally get the thing that you need, the oxygen, because you stop focusing on the bad, and you, you actually started taking in the oxygen. You see, there's this moment in running when you have gone so hard to the end of yourself that it's like everything in you is screaming at you the one thing you need. All signs are pointing to it. Your mind knows it. Your body knows it. Your muscles know it. That at this point, Kenzie, if you don't get oxygen, you cannot go forward. And God brought me to this image, and he wanted me to remind you this morning, church. Imagine what our church would look like if we ran so hard after the calling that was on our lives that we would get to a point where everything in us, our spirit would cry out, at this point you have gone so far that all you need is Jesus. All you need is the second wind. And can I promise you he has the second wind? Can I promise you he is the second wind? If we would just run long enough to experience it. That's my challenge. I think we, we love to give up when it gets inconvenient. But if we could run to the point where everything inside of us says, at this point, you're going to turn over control, Kenzie. At this point, you're going to release what you don't have. You're going to release the things that you want and actually stretch your hand out for the one thing that you need. And that is Jesus. Have you been to that point in a long time? I want to challenge you to get to that point. Run hard enough and with faith enough to receive his second wind this morning. To sum up his heart for this morning, it's time to stop being a seasonal runner, but a seasoned runner of the faith. It's time to stop being a tourist on this faith journey, but a pilgrim that is on their way home. Amen. He's looking for runners that will run long enough. He's looking for runners that will stop thinking about what they don't have and think about who they need to breathe in. He's looking for runners that will run so hard after the assignment that it only makes sense for God to finish it. He's looking for runners that let God do the heavy lifting because they know that their one job is to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. He's looking for runners that will empty themselves of the flesh and actually make room to breathe in the second wind. Do you believe that, church? His second wind is going to give you your capacity level. His second wind is going to give you assurance. His second wind is going to give you confidence to keep going. Do you want that second wind this morning? Because it's a promise that it's not just coming. It's here. You have access to it. If he would just make room for it. So the main scripture I want us to dive into today is found in Hebrews 12. And you may have heard this a million times. But I want you to read this verse like it's the first time. 
Because I really believe that it's God's like specific instructions for us. Hebrews 12, it's called the reasons to endure. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And can I tell you, church, that is every reason that you need to endure. It calls him the pioneer and the perfecter. He started this run, he finished this run, and he perfected it. So if anyone knows what you need to do, it's Jesus. Have you asked him? And I believe this scripture, even the first verse of this is what we're going to unpack, gives us everything we need to run. So if you want to start writing down these with me, point one is to observe your surroundings, stop listening to the predictions. Observe your surroundings and stop listening to the predictions. To observe something is to notice it and um, recognize that it is significant. And I believe there's a whole cloud of witnesses like the scripture talks about that we haven't even taken time to observe. It doesn't just say something about the leaders and the legends of faith. It says everything about God. That his track record is perfect. His track record says he is faithful. And I think it's time we observe the track record of Jesus. It's perfect. He will not let us down. But you know the place that I think we get stuck is at the starting line listening to the predictions. Have you ever felt like you were called to something, but then immediately the predictions came in your ears. Let me tell you what these sound like. They sound like, oh, this is not going to work. You know why? Because of your weaknesses, because of your shortcomings. Oh, that won't work. You don't have the personality. You don't have the skill to pull this off. Have you heard these before? Another one, your financial situation is not going to get any better. You could never be generous the way that you want to. Haven't you thought about how that person could possibly do this way better than you? No one will connect with you on that. That's just a you thing. But can I tell you faith is the one place that we can stop listening to predictions? Faith is the one place where freedom is already final. Victory is already final. Heaven is already final. And I want to remind you that to every single prediction that you're hearing in your ears, and I know that it's there because I know I hear them all day long, you have to combat them with the heavenly solutions that he offers us. You have to combat them with the heavenly forecast that's already been forecasted for us, that we know in due time he will come up and he will be the second wind. So whenever you hear those predictions about the way that this is going to go, I want you to tell it right back the way that you know this will go. His grace is sufficient for me in my, in my weakness. His grace is actually all I need to do this. He's actually run this way before, so I know exactly where I'm going. Have you ever spoken back to those predictions? God says, I am the finisher. I am the pioneer. I am the perfecter. So stop taking inventory or predictions before you jump fully into faith. You don't need them here. This is also important. One more thing about the cloud of witnesses. I never want you to take the cloud of witnesses in the legends of faith that have gone before you and think it's an excuse for you not to run. It's not a shadow that's supposed to be a place that we hide in. It's a covering for you to run your race. 
And I think sometimes we like to hide under that cloud rather than let it be what it is for us. You know, when Alex, I know we've talked about the Zoom meeting a lot, about when Alex invited us to be a part of the church, but I really feel like when Alex called us, we were living in that place of the cloud, like the comfortable cloud. And he, you know, he casted his vision about all the things that he wants to do. And me and Bobby, like, it ruffled our feathers, if that's, like, a good way to say it. Like, it woke us up because, like, we can only do this if we have faith. And, like, I think we've been so comfortable. Like, Bobby's been comfortable on the drums. Like, he's got it. Like, Chase will have all the vision. Like, we'll just show up and serve. And I was comfortable going. But then sometimes if I had a bad week at work, I wouldn't go. But there was something that God was calling us to. And it was to use that cloud as a covering and not a hiding. And ask God, what would faith have me do in this moment? And can I tell you, our faith has been lit up as our decision to do Grace City Tampa has gone on. Like, and I hope that that's what happens for you, even today. Even if you weren't looking for it, I hope that you walk out and you feel your faith wake up. Amen. So since you are surrounded, that gives you permission to run your race because his track record is perfect. The next point that I believe that verse 1 gives us is to throw off the easy entanglements. Throw off the easy entanglements. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we corner sin just to be that one big mess up moment. That one big moral failure. That one big uh uh-oh moment. I think we do a disservice when we think it's just that. Can I tell you it's also the easy entanglements. Is also the things that you so easily slipped into that you almost didn't even notice that you were in it. Because after all, like the word says, it was an easy thing that entangled us. So I want us to get better at asking deeper questions that is this sin or not? But faith runners go a step deeper and ask, is this a hindrance to me or not? Am I able to run at my full capacity with this weight on me or not? And can I tell you, if you're asking the question, it's probably a no. It's a probably throw off that easy entanglement. You know, me and Bobby have a way of, we have like a system of cleaning our house. I don't know if any of you couples relate to this, but it's kind of like you balance and you have like a list of what each person does. Does anyone else have that? Like a list of the husband things and the wife things? A couple people. Well, let me tell you, my list is like 10 times longer than Bobby's, but it's fine. He has the dishes and the trash. I have every other room in the entire house. But somehow, it's balanced for us. It works. We have a great rhythm. And I remember Bobby talking about the way that we clean. He's like, I cleaned the house today. But you might not notice my version of clean is different than yours. And I was like, well, what's your version of cleaning, Bobby? He's like, you know, like you deep clean. Like you really get in there. I just kind of like shift things around and make it look nice. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly the shifting that you're talking about. But I think we do that with our sin. I think we deal with the hindrances in our life just like how Bobby cleans the house. (laughs) Is the house really clean if you're just shifting? Is the house really clean? It's not. But I want to tell you that scripture gave us an action. And it said literally throw off and run. Not shift around because what happens when you're just shifting those hindrances from season to season to conversation to conversation? I'll pull out this hindrance when I'm with these people because maybe they can handle it. I'll pull off this hindrance in this room because maybe I can handle it. 
But if there's those things, let me tell you, you need to throw it off because if you're too full, you'll never be filled with what you want to be filled with. If you're still recycling the old wind, how do you ever think you're going to have room for the second wind? Amen? So the Bible says throw off the hindrances and run. Some of us are wondering why we keep on getting caught in the same easy entanglements. Can I tell you, it's probably because you slipped it off and left it right next to you. And in the right conversation, in the right moment, it's easy to pick it up again. But throw it off and get out of there. Get out of the proximity. Because you have too many places to run to have these hindrances on you. Amen? Too many places to go. And if you can't think of any easy entanglements, if you're like, I don't know if I struggle. Let me, let me show you a list of these, okay? Gossip is one. It is so easy to gossip. Can you imagine if we shared the gospel as much as we gossip? Bitterness turned resentment. I don't think it's biblical to have resentment against people. It's a form of division. But it's easy to be bitter, right? It makes you feel protected. Throw it off. Offense. Pride. The need for control, which actually I think is a mistrust of Jesus. Greed. I would label this as the ability or the disability to say no to some things. You always feel like you want it. You want it. You want it. That's greed. Cynicism, which has just turned you into a negative person. And then any kind of division or separation from the people of God. Can I tell you, no matter how much you disagree with people, you're not called to divide yourself from them. That's not the way of Jesus. So these are some easy entanglements that I want to tell you. If you feel yourself falling into any of these, throw it off this morning. You've got too many places to run, church. One of the last things I heard from this scripture, hey now, my iPad just went haywire. One of the last things I heard from this scripture is point number three, which says, run the race marked out, not the one you curated. Run the race marked out, not the one that you curated. And I know curated is like a new buzzword in the world today. Um, there's actually like new jobs where you're literally a curator. And what this means is like you present and you arrange material and you, you present it a certain way. The way that we put our feeds is an example of curation. Can we all agree though that our feeds really look nothing like us though, right? But I think it gets dangerous when we let the idea of curation seep into our real world because a cur- the curation is just a testament to our anxiety and our obsession with wanting to author and Um, have ownership of something. We just want to be in control and author things so bad that we want to curate it to be exactly how we want it to be. But here's the danger of curation. By curating, we are all actively redefining constantly who we are, what we like, want, and live for. And we do this constantly when we explore rather than follow. And, you know, I think there's too many curators and not enough followers of Jesus There's too many owners and authors and not enough followers of the person of Jesus. And my fear this morning is that we really think we can curate our faith walk. We really think we can pick and choose battles and say, no, I'm not going to go through that one because I want this faith to feel like this. But can I tell you that faith is not a road that we curate. It's a road that Jesus walked. It's a road that Jesus perfected. And that's the road that God is calling you to take. 
So let's think about the road of Jesus and not be scared of it because we know how it ends, right? And the way it ends for Jesus is the way it ends for us, heaven, his glory and its fullness. So things along the way that Jesus had to go through are going to be things like rejection, suffering, solitude, silence, testing. So if you're going through any of these, let me tell you, you're in the right place, not the wrong place. Jesus went through it too, and we don't get the, the, the opportunity to throw it off and say, I don't want to go through that one. I just want to go down this easy road. Go down the road that Jesus went through. Because James 1.3 says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I wish I could say it's something else that's going to grow your endurance, but it's the tests. I wish I could say that it's the high fives at church and like the love that you feel that's going to grow your endurance, but it's the tests that give your endurance a chance to grow. Eugene Peterson says it this way, endurance is not a desperate hanging on, but a traveling from strength to strength. It's not the result of our determination. It's the result of God's faithfulness. Isn't that beautiful? It's not a hanging on for dear life. It's actually you beginning to travel from strength to strength to strength. And your strength and your endurance finally has that moment to grow. You finally get to that point where you need Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful this morning. So if it makes me more like Christ, I'm in. If it makes me more like Jesus, I'm in. If it's on the way to heaven, I'll take it. And I want to close with this last point about this scripture, which is to run well, we must know our finish line. To run well, we must know our finish line. How many of you know it would change the way we run if we really knew where we were going? Maybe that's why faith feels so confusing for you, because you don't know where you're going. But I think if we really took time to understand our finish line, we would run differently. But maybe that's the reason that people don't want the faith that we have. Maybe it's because of the way they see you and I half-heartedly running seasonally instead of seasoned and all the way through. Maybe the reason the world isn't drawn to our faith is because our finish line has been anything but Jesus. Maybe that's the reason they're not drawn to it because they're not drawn to our version of the finish line. But I want to remind you what the scripture says about what the finish line is. And it's found in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11:13 says, all these people, and this is talking about the cloud of witnesses, the legends of the faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they were looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So if you notice, it says they did not receive it, but they waved at it from a distance. You, you, you know what their, their finish line was? It was heaven. They knew they couldn't reach it in their lifetime, but they still waved at it and said, I'm coming. I'm coming there one day, and that is going to change the way I'm going to run right now. And I want you to know that you have the same finish line. It's heaven. And I promise you, you would much rather be celebrated there than here on earth. What are the praises and the claps and the good jobs of man ever going to do to your soul and to your spirit? Can I tell you, you don't want it. 
You want to be celebrated and joined in with a cloud of witnesses at the end of the day. You want to hear from your father that you did everything you could with your faith this morning. So I want you to reevaluate and re-surrender this morning your finish line. Because I really believe it's going to change the way you run. And maybe you're at that point this morning, just like the second wind described, the point where you feel like you just want to stop running. What is this worth? And I've been there before. I've been at a moment where ministry was just so crushing, where my faith decisions were so crushing because they were so uneasy sometimes. And I've been at the point where I was like, God, if you don't come in right now, I really want to give up. But I'm speaking to you from a place right now where I really received that second wind because I just didn't give up. That's the formula. You just don't stop. And I promise you, he has what you're looking for. I promise you the finish line is worth it. I promise you he's going to come in and give you a capacity that you did not know you ever had. I promise you he's going to come in and give you confidence, assurance. He's going to make your family feel different if you just surrender it to him. So this morning, I want to take a moment just to pray his second wind over this room. So if you will, would you stand with me this morning? The team is going to go back into this song because from the moment that we sang it, I feel like it was significant for our church because I really feel like it's the way that our church is going to decide to respond. We're going to stop this walk of convenience and comfortability and hiding in the shadow, but we're actually going to make the decision to start running like our life depends on it because God would never let us down there. Amen. So can we open up our hearts, whatever that looks like for you. If you want to open up your hands, if you want to bow down on the floor, whatever that looks like for you right now, I just want us to posture our hearts in a way that would receive the second wind. God, we feel you stirring in this place. We feel that you're bringing something that only you could bring in this moment. If we would just open up to receive it, if we would just run long enough to receive it, if we would just make this space for you to come in and be everything that we need, God. We're done with the things that we want. We're done with the things that we don't have, God. And we say yes to the things that we need, which is the second wind of Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of the living God. So would you come in and glow in this room, God? If you're calling, then we're coming. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church. 